It's gubernatorial winter sports and unanswered voicemail boxes on this week of, of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. Folks, who's Ben? Who Who is Ben? Who is Leslie? This is a weekly <laughs> podcast about Netflix original comedy series Bojack Horseman. And Leslie, my friend, what episode are we talking about today? Today we are talking about season four, episode one, See Mr. Peanut Butter Run. The year is 1992, and Vincent D'Onofrio is struggling to perform breakdancing moves necessary to secure his role in Untitled Horsing Around ripoff. Just as tensions are rising on set, a young Los Angeles transplant and seeming not-actor Mr. Peanutbutter steps into the studio and starts accidentally performing for the live studio audience. Now in the modern day, Mr. Peanutbutter is trying to capture a new audience as his ex-wife pilots his attempt to run for governor. In order to even get on the ballot, Mr. Peanutbutter needs to successfully recall the current governor of California, Governor Goodchuck Woodchuck. Their appeal fails, however, but Mr. Peanutbutter unfortunately has an idea for a way to unseat the governor. Meanwhile, Diane is having troubles getting hold of Bojack, and Todd drifts away into space. Yeah. <laughs> so, season four starting off uh, with a lot of hijinks, a lot of fun, a lot of wacky adventures ensuing, but no Bojack. No Bojack. Yeah, the opening line of this episode is, and you said, let's do the thing with the horse, but this time without the horse. Um, which is obviously a reference to, um, where is it? Untitled Horsing Around ripoff, which would yeah. become Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Um, but also a reference to the fact that this pilot contains no Bojack, and the Bojack that it does contain is like all of ten words spoken on a voicemail message box. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this episode gives us a look into all the other characters and what they're up to. Um, so we get kind of a an interesting like slice of life as to what everyone's up to with no knowledge whatsoever as to where Bojack is, what he's doing. The last time that we saw him, he was staring pensively at horses running, and that's that's the last we knew. So we don't get any more answers until next episode. <laughs> and I think... Uh, you know, having watched both of them recently, it's very obvious to me now why this episode was so lighthearted. We'll get into the second episode in the next episode, but, uh, you know, following, following this one, it gets a little deep. So let's just dive into the fun that we have while we have it <laughs> before, before the insanity ensues with, uh, the old Sugarman place in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, that episode's going to be a rough one, so let's get this, um, is it a palate cleanser if it happens before the tragedy? Um, I think maybe it's just more of an aperitif, maybe, or an amuse-bouche, but, uh, yeah, Remember, I don't know. Remember, folks, it's always dawnest before the dark. Yeah, I guess, I guess. It's always dawnest before the dark. That's a, a pretty accurate thing to say about BoJack Horseman in general, I think. <laughs> I think that just me I think that might just be life in 2019 on planet Earth. I mean, yeah, also true. Um so you you in the synopsis talked about the main plot of the episode in which Mr. Peanut Butter attempts to recall the governor 
who is currently seated. Uh, and when that doesn't work in conventional methods, he convinces himself through mincing and splicing together Diane's words that she believes in him no matter what into convincing himself that he should not drop out of the race at all. And that instead of conventional means to, to get a chance at being governor, he should challenge Kuchuk Woodchuck to a ski off. Yeah. You know, logically. Yeah. As one does challenges him to um, a ski off. Th- this, Hey, wait, this season came out in 2016, right? Yes. I think so. I Well, I think so. Yeah, it would have to have, because season six is 2019, so minus three years. Yeah? Anyway, um, an unfortunate comparison, but it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I, this is certainly the point of this season, or of this season, or at least of this plot line. It, uh, uh, it that actually... there's the policy-driven person, and then there's the, the populist idiot. <laughs> yeah, so this actually came out in 2017, so it was most likely written in 2016. All right, well, then there you go, even more yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, look, whether or not you agree with those policies, they at least existed. Yeah, um, they, they did. As opposed to the, the rampant idiocy of the, the Golden Retriever. Um, that That's such an unfair comparison to Mr. Peanut Butter, who is significantly a better person than that and not a fascist. Truly. Absolutely. Oh, well. uh, but I do want to say I think that this episode had less to do with... American politics specifically, and possibly more to do with showing the audience how much privilege Mr. Peanut Butter has from just everything about him, from from his, you know, Canadian upbringing to uh, giving us that flashback at the beginning of the episode in the cold open to show us that he literally does just walk up, walk into stuff and has things happen for him. If I didn't just randomly walk in through doors, how would I... Have ended up piloting the very plane that brought me here. Right, whatever, like, like, yeah, that. that's yeah, that's more or less what he says. And then, of course, he ends up getting this deal, which launches him into stardom and begins his career, all because he walked through a door, because he's Mr. Peanut Butter, and he can. So that uh, sense of privilege, I think, is what gives him... I want to say he has entitlement, but I don't know if you can have entitlement without being like aware of it. Like he doesn't feel like, Oh, I deserve this more. It's more so that he has had experience where things have happened for him. And so why would things not continuing happening, happening for him, which is a form of entitlement, but sure. Lacks the, lacks the, uh, malicious nature of, Oh no, I deserve this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Taking what what you just asked, um, you know, can you have entitlement if if you're not aware of it or whatever? He doesn't even seem to like really want it. He's just kind of a he's a useful idiot in a lot of circumstances. He you know, yeah, governorship had not occurred to him prior to like a month and a half ago when season right. three ended or whatever. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, no, it is a weird way to frame it. Um, yeah, he just kind of gets things. He just gets given things. I. That's not, yeah, I guess that is more privilege than entitlement, uh, if we, you can separate those two. Yeah. I guess you can only separate them when it comes to, like, you know, whether or not it's a, the, the, for motive, I guess. Oh, yes, okay, okay. Like if he's Because there to... is no motive for him, he just does what people suggest for him. That's very true, like, when he went and got, <laughs> when he went and got his job at Foot Locker, and then ended up 
getting gigs based upon that. Like, stuff just happens to him all the time. Or all his business plans are stuff that Todd has suggested to him. Right, exactly. So I think he just sort of floats through life and... So privileged, absolutely. Entitled. I mean, yeah, it kind of implies there's motive. Right, where he doesn't have any really at all. I think maybe that's possibly why he and Todd get on so well. Um, because they're just there for the wacky hijinks and stuff just happens to them, albeit in different ways. Yes, so, absolutely agreed. So I think that this is a prime example of Mr. Peanut Butter getting into something that is entirely way over his head. Um, but he doesn't know it yet because of course this is going to lead to the fracking storyline. This is going to lead to fights. Yeah. To fights with Diane and ultimately to the dissolution of their marriage. So Zach Braff found dead in Miami. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you mentioned uh, Canadian upbringing, and this this is uh, bouncing off of a, a small conversation we had right before we pressed record, um, in which I uttered the phrase "white-coated Mr. Peanut Butter." Yeah, um, which easy is to a... forget that that guy is straight up from Nova Scotia. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. He definitely is very much. If he were a human man, would be a white privileged man. I mean, even as a dog, he's like. Literally the dog that everyone talks about being the best dog, like a, you know, a golden retriever. Like, uh, he, he experiences life in a much different way than people who have struggles. And that is what has made him such a great foil for Bojack for so long. But now that Bojack is not in this episode, it becomes much more obvious as we watch the plot unfold around Mr. Peanut Butter as an A plot for once. I want to be explicit about something right here. I'm sorry. I said Nova Scotia because I like pronouncing Nova Scotia. Labrador Island is in Newfoundland. Oh, it's in Newfoundland. Okay. Newfoundland, Canada. Okay. Uh, We got the country right. Yes. So he is actually closer to Quebec. Quebec. Okay. So sorry, Canadian listeners. Your uh, provinces are not very well known down here. (laughs) Look, you fixed it. And that's what's important. I did. I, you know, I did the equivalent of calling Tennessee, Nebraska, but I fixed it. Um, no, uh, yeah, um, uh, you were right that, like, maybe this isn't necessarily totally about American politics. It is about, um, privilege and, and getting handed stuff for free or however you want to frame that. Um, I mean, I, I do think, obviously, there is a degree of America. I mean, this whole season is going to have a lot of American politics satire, in the same way that the last one had a lot of like Hollywood inside um, award season for your consideration satire. Yeah. Um, I think also it's just, Oh, it's just going to be, it's just going to be subtler stuff. Um, uh, Obviously there's an entire schoolhouse rock parody um, Mm. about how bills get made or really Mm. rather how bills get lumped together to make, um, to, to slide more unsavory concepts, uh, like amending the entire California Constitution so that, uh, you know, you can win by ski race. Yeah. Um, in with, uh, you know, stuff that everyone can agree on, like farm subsidies or, you know, housing initiatives or whatever. But then those right. housing initiatives have weird underlying things like... You know, changing the way the electoral college works, or whatever. You know what I mean? There, there's sure. always 
a bunch of shit always gets lumped together. I, 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 I'm, I'm spacing on what it was in particular that hindered it. But um, as someone who's been following like net neutrality a lot um, mm. since it became a you know a capital B big issue in like 2011 2012, yeah, um, there was like a big net neutrality push that got wrapped up in some like more war funding or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like people couldn't ethically pass it because it came with war funding. Yeah. Um, or whatever, but like, yeah, these 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 good policy changes that we need for some reason keep getting well. For some reason, we know the for reason. some quote unquote some reason. The 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 reason being that like you know. The government demands blood. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, just they always get wrapped up with these extremely unsavory things, and as the as the little cartoon shows, like it is hmm. a they 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 do that so that more people more Congress people will throw their weight behind it because then it means, you know, they get their thing too, etc. So instead of passing, you know, a dozen small bills, they pass one big bill that approves everything at once, regardless of whether or not that's like a net gain for society or not. Yeah. And it frequently is not. Correct. So so this episode is really, really good at giving us that political commentary, considering the fact that this season is a very deep emotional dive into a lot of very serious, emotionally traumatic events that span across generations. So the political commentary here is very pointed and it is very specific, particularly we get later on into this plotline with the fracking and all of that stuff. But yeah, speaking, also, speaking of uh, policy stuff. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say because there's so much emotional weight behind this season, which we'll see more of starting on in the second episode. Uh, this episode really did a lot of the grunt work to lay the ground for their political statements. Yes, it certainly does. Um, whether or not you believe this is a direct mapping of of any Clinton Trump nonsense. Um, there have been thousands of elections across this country from everything from, you know, mayoral to Senate, where there is somebody who has policy and somebody who is writing off of populism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sometimes there's somebody with policy and populism, and then they get, you know, and then they get uh, overruled by someone who has money. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Like that, that is the nature of, uh, you know, American politics. Um like, I mean, hey, throughout the entire thing, nobody ever says why Goodchuck Woodchuck needs to be reelected. Right. Uh, or, excuse me, needs to be recalled. Um, it is just like, you know, like, oh, well, we got to, so Mr. Peanut Butter can run. But then also that's never elaborated on why. And, like, right. the only reason I can think of is, like, without, you know, writing fan fiction about it, it's just like, oh, well, someone needs an idiot in charge or whatever else, you know? Yeah. They're just, need, you know, something that wouldn't fly under a, Smart governor could fly under a dumb governor. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably yeah. the fracking thing, if I'm to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely is the fracking thing. Um, but, like, you know, that, that that's, I think, more the, the uh, political commentary angle that's going. It's just, like, I don't know, populism and policy and all that. And, like, why why these big shifts happen. Because, yeah. again, the only narrative we're given or is one that Mr. Peanut Butter makes up on the fly where he's just like, good Chuck Woodchuck who thinks he's better than us. Which is not, like, 
and then all of a sudden is pulling on the elitism card, which I don't think yeah, anyone yeah. had thought prior to that. Right. But I like mean, he seems to be a fancy man. It's that whole adage of, you know, like, oh, but can I sit down and have a beer with him? Like, that whole entire thing. I do not want to have a beer with my president. I would rather not either. No matter who it is. I'm not interested yeah, in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially not this one. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes without I, saying, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't drink with fascists, everyone. I don't um, think he but, drinks, actually. Kind of wish I he did. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think that he drinks. Let's deteriorate that liver. Come on. Chop, chop. <laughs> well, you know, there's the Adderall, so it is what it is. But... There's five hamburgers a day. <laughs> Jesus. Blech. Anywho, back to the show. Uh, Trump is the worst. So, <laughs> going off of that plot line, obviously, are all of the surrounding plots that involve all of the other characters who are not Bojack. So, we see a little bit from Todd. We see a little bit from Princess Carolyn and uh, a development in her life as well. And also Diane, uh, who is the one who is trying to contact Bojack this entire time. So... What's new with everybody? Sure. Well, um, Diane right now is uh, starting her girl cruise job, and she's um, struggling with it a little bit because uh, she works for not even really a BuzzFeed, a more a more. <laughs> All right, I don't want to give BuzzFeed a ton of credit here, but I'm going to. So here we go. Oh shit! But she clearly works for a more vapid publication than that. <laughs> yes. Um, I I couldn't name them all off the top of my head because I genuinely just don't. But you know what I mean. Like there's BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed has moved its public image away from just being, you know, the place you go when you want uh, Sex in the City and Harry Potter house quizzes. Yeah. Uh, and evolved into, I mean, at least a respectable news organization is now attached to it. Um, And they make a bunch of more like original content, like cooking videos and all that kind of stuff. Sure. You know, they are, a, they are a mass, you know, media thing now. Yeah, um, that's true. And, you know, well, look, they were when I gave them a bunch of shit during season one of this program. Yes. Um, and it's because I still do hate their dumb, reductive media stuff. Like, you know, are you a Zoe or a Zelda? Or every person on the planet is a combination of one Disney character and one Harry Potter character or whatever. Right, right. I still think that, that stuff's dumb as shit, but I have respect for, like, BuzzFeed News or whatever. Okay. Wow. Look, that's what no, I mean, call but that was only that was ever my only ever my original complaint anyway. Is I hate I their, know. like the way they write about media. Yeah, Anywho, that's true. That's true. She clearly works at it like a much more you know vapid organization that is like there is no respectable journalistic end of it. It's just shit. Like it's a gossip mag. She writes yeah. for a gossip mag. Yeah, but like and, one uh, of those new digital millennial gossip mags. Yeah, that makes you feel like you're important for reading it and all that stuff. And so hip and with it. Like when... Cosmo has more respect for the medium than that thing does. I th yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, although I do think that it is kind of a caricature of BuzzFeed in that, you know, it is over the top, but also plausible. <laughs> plausible that we could go in that direction if we were more slightly more absurdist as they are in the land of Hollywood and in the land of Bojack Horseman. 
Oh, I mean, I think we're already there in some cases. <laughs> Shoot, yeah. Well, you're not wrong about that. Again, I, ca I can't think of the titles of any of these publications, but I bet if I go through um, the Twitter trending list for a second, I could find one. <laughs> Let me see if I can find someone who just wrote an article about, like, Chrissy Teigen or whatever. Okay. Keep talking. Beyond doing this work for Girl Cruise, which is extremely important, obviously, she has been supporting and assisting Mr. Peanut Butter with his, with his race with the full thought that he would never have a snowball's chance in hell of getting anywhere near it. So part of that is uh, thinking about is she, like how altruistic she really is, how supportive she truly is because of the fact that she was mostly supporting it because he had no chance or she didn't think he had a chance. And then of course seeing that once, once we realize that he does, uh, she becomes a little more dismayed and sort of understandably so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, it's it's you talk a big game until it starts happening, and then right. you got to backpedal like crazy. Oh, exactly. And and it's always it's very easy uh, in this case uh, where she's kind of retroactively supportive as well. She's supportive in the moment, but then you know, Mr. Peanut Butter asks like, "Would I have made Would I have made a good governor?" And she doesn't oh, want yeah. to be an asshole and say like, "No, you would have been shit at it" or anything like that. Right. Because. You know, it's it's the eleventh hour. Well, it's past the eleventh hour. It's twelve oh one in the morning, right? Um, you know, there is no chance that he can regain this. So, you know, she's not going to spit on him while he's down. Absolutely. So she'll just throw out a throw out a quick like, "Yeah, I'm sure you would have been great." And he <laughs> right. takes that to mean like, "Okay, then I can okay, still well, do let's, it." Then let's do this. Then let's do no, this thing. No, 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 Mr. Peanut Butter. No. Oh, poor guy. Like, you know, someone has a bad day. You don't want to additionally tell them that they look ugly or whatever. Right. You're just like, no, it's fine. It's all it's fine. fine. You would have been great. <laughs> now that there's a, now that there's absolutely no chance you can do it, you would have been great. You would have been great. But, uh, think... you know, Labradors never give up or whatever. Yeah. So that's happening. So the, so the ski race happens. And uh, as it would turn out, due to some wacky, wacky hijinks with Todd... Todd is the winner, because of course he is, uh, and then he resigns immediately, which thus causes them to have... Which formally vacates the seat. Yep, and so now they have to fill it. So now there is uh, a proper... There's a proper way for Mr. Peanut Butter to actually win this thing. Which means we're getting a season of political satire. So thanks, Todd. <laughs> Well, good thing that now in the year 2019, political satire is not a thing we're tired of. That's... Uh, and we can just proceed with normal. Uh, God, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that one a little too spot on? Oh, man. Oh, boy. So, on top of that, uh, speaking of Todd, he gets to have uh, his own little moment in the sun where we get... A further shadow like a little bit more shading into what he is going through emotionally in terms of his sexuality yeah Todd doesn't like labels it seems yeah he's he's pretty against him as it would turn out he, he gets rather upset when Emily suggests that he's asexual uh, Todd lives a very unstructured life so I can see why he would not um want to put definitive terms on anything he does or is. I get that. I do. Uh, and he does also co-own a business. 
with uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, though. Sure, sure. Oh, I was just going to say that I think that this is just kind of a very natural and organic way for his story arc to go in terms of him coming to comfort with his with his sexual orientation, with his asexuality. Uh, you know, obviously, when you're first trying to figure this kind of stuff out, you are going to be like, oh, I'm not really into labels. Um, you know, I know I was, and I know a lot of my friends were. And um, sometimes, you know, you choose what ends up being not the wrong label, but a, a but a fluctuating label. So it's a lot of stress, and it's a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of pressure to know what's right for yourself, for people who are just starting to try and figure it out. So you know, I yeah. love it. I support it. I think that this storyline is fantastic and is doing an excellent job at being respectful and realistic to the struggles of queer people. Uh, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, in in the experience of of many of my friends and myself, it is hard to lock down lock it down on the first try. Sure, absolutely. So I just I think it's great, and I think that they did a really great, respectful job. And I don't really have much else to say about it. I'm 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 happy for it, and I'm happy that that conversation happened on a major television show. You know, from Emily's perspective, even if it seems obvious to that individual's friends. Or that individual's close circle, right? Um, you know, it, it's it's there can that's where the conflict comes. Is not Todd really just struggling with his own self, but other people's perceptions of him seems to be the problem. Oh, sure, and that well, and that's a very natural part of it too. Yeah. So when she throws out the well, I just want a boyfriend who isn't um, asexual, or what, and then you know, it's not him coming to terms with it; it's him coming to terms with other people's perceptions of him. Where he's like, "Whoa, why'd you have to say that about me?" Yeah, yeah. And it's rough, man. It's a tough. It's a tough road to go down. And I, knowing what I know about Todd's journey, uh, I'm just, I'm just thrilled for it. I'm just so thrilled for him. Just thrilled for him. Love it. But also, this part is this part is hard. So that's what Todd's up to. That's what Todd's up to, um, and that really compromises all of our characters except for oh no, the greatest character of them all, Princess Carolyn. Princess Carolyn. So let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about our girl. Uh, sorry, I just realized I came into that with like unflinching enthusiasm, and now I have to deliver the bad news of it's about her miscarriage. Well, yeah. And her commitments to to Ralph. Yeah. Yeah, so Princess Carolyn uh, in this episode is experiencing some some illness that, you know, at first is played off as a gag about how Bojack makes her feel anxious or nervous, uh, but turns out to actually be much more serious. As we discover when she reveals to Ralph at the end that she was pregnant and is no longer. Yes, um something that is kind of skimmed over in the in the text of the episode and is only kind of revealed after the fact toward the end. I mean, we see her seemingly experiencing her pregnancy. Right, right. Um, and then With later, her morning sickness like, and everything. Yeah. And then later she's just like, uh, yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work out. But that does prompt Ralph to suggest to her that they actually do try for a baby. Mm -hmm. Which is a positive thing. It is, yes. So, you know, ultimately, Ralph continues to be the best. Princess Carolyn has this idea of hope, you know, in her mind, and so does the audience. 
And of course that we'll see what happens with that. It is a bit of a struggle and it is a bit sad before uh, yeah, a bit. Before it gets good, but it gets good though. And I don't want to say honestly, I don't want to say too much to you just because uh uh, yeah, season six has been you untouched by me at this point. Yeah, you haven't seen season six yet, so there there are definitely some nice developments that happen in season six that you will deeply appreciate. Folks, I want to, and we're going to record an episode on season six before we actually get to season six in this show. I promise that is all in the works and that all will happen. I edit four podcasts, though. <laughs> I haven't watched a TV in a month. You gotta watch that TV, man. We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinity break if you want to make it worth my time. None of that money goes to me. <laughs> oh, man. It all goes to equipment and administrative costs. Of course it does. So, so yeah. So, I think you're going to be pleased, though, when you get there. When you get I, there. I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. I can, like I knew you hadn't watched season six yet because I was like, he definitely would have texted me about this stuff. I really would have, I'm sure. If he, had, if he had seen it, you would have done. Trust me. Uh, do you have anything else we want to cover in this episode? Um, just I think a couple. We kind of wound down. Yeah, I think um, just a couple of points about uh, Judah's continuously great. Miss that guy. Uh, that is, you know, what I'll go ahead and say that's my favorite joke. Is the uh, oh, I never developed a signature. I consider them unnecessarily ostentatious. <laughs> I can, however, print my name legibly. Okay, so that's great because actually mine is the one that comes directly after that when he's called Rain Man Bun. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, good shit. Really good shit. In line with our previous conversation, is this one of the times you would have wanted privacy? (laughs) Privacy, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I love him. Oh, we love Judah. Miss that guy. Oh, you gotta Uh, watch season six. Ah, Yeah, watch it. There's just some Yates, good content. You can't do this to me. I'm just telling you, if you love Princess Carolyn, and we all know that you do, I do. I'm also a workaholic kitty cat. Okay, so then you would you one would sec. like the things going I on. To, I need to change my display name. Okay, to workaholic kitty cat. Yep, absolutely. Love it, love it. All right, folks. Uh, I think that's just about it for everything. This is kind of a setup episode. All the little bowling pins are in place. Yeah. And the uh, the massive uh, bowling ball that is Bojack Horseman himself is about to come careening down the lane. Oh, God. Here we go. <sighs> I will always think of you. Next time. Next time, of course. Uh, folks, this has been Of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. I'm the Ben of that. You can find me online at Ben C. Hamlin. That is B-E-N-C-H-A-M-L-I-N over on Twitter.com. And go ahead and follow my Instagram while you're at it. You can find me at Vanetti on Twitter.com as well. Uh... I talk about cool stuff. I want to be your friend. Talk about BoJack with me. Leslie is the friendliest person on the planet. This Aww. is not a joke. This is not a bit. This isn't even a compliment. This is like objective fact. Oh, well, I'm taking if you go to like the, anyway. If you go to like the FBI, CIA database website or whatever, where it lists all those facts about countries, it's like national bird, bald eagle, bald eagle friendliest person, Leslie Gates. Me! Um, <laughs> weird compliment, I know. Uh, you can find us both at infinitybreak.net. That's the social media account of the studio that puts out this very podcast, infinitybreak.net, where we're telling stories our own way. Podcasts, web comics, live streams, videos, and more, all available at infinitybreak.net. We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak, where you can get access to all sorts of behind-the-scenes content from a number of our shows, including Sneeple at the Movies and Of Horses and Men. 
Uh, lastly, we appreciate it if you leave a review for this show. Uh, five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts would do wonders for us and our egos, uh, but also for helping new audiences find the show. Um, folks, a, a thing that I've noticed uh, as a podcaster is that, like, you know, for every audience member you know about, there's definitely always at least five that you don't know about, or whatever that ratio may be. Um, Leslie, I don't know if I told you about this. Uh, two weeks ago, I got a written email uh, sent to the Infinity Break account uh, from a fan who just said that we were doing a great job. No, you didn't tell me that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll Aww. forward that to you. I, I was in a I was in a movie theater or whatever. Opened my phone after the movie ended, and I just yeah. saw that I had an email telling me the show was good. No, yeah, definitely send that to me. Oh my god. That means somebody somebody didn't even tweet at us. Somebody had to go to our I mean, website you know. to the contact us forum. Aww. And type in well, that email thanks, on our website or whatever. Yeah. Thanks, thanks everybody. Um, Thank like you. it really, it really, really makes our day. So like, sincerely, um, you know, let us know you listen. Let us know you're a fan. You can literally just at either of us on twitter.com. Um, leave a review, whatever. <laughs> you don't have to donate to the Patreon to support us. Yep. Um, but you know that'd also be cool. Uh, but yeah, I think that's absolutely everything, uh, folks. Uh, I just launched a new podcast, Parascience, which is our um, paranormal uh, tabletop horror game. Uh, we highly encourage you to check that out. Uh, check out our other programs at infinitybreak.net. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks' time for the old Sugarman place. Yay! All right, we'll catch you next time. See ya.